Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn that thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton, for the stay. Hey, listeners, and a special hey, hi, hello to all those patrons out there. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Sci, under the Believe Podcast Network. It is indeed a podcast about black science fiction and fantasy and staying on the same page as a family. Today for episode 99, we're going to be discussing the collection of short horror stories called Twisted Tales. Do you have it, Ben? There you go. Show it to all, all the cameras, all the cameras. Twisted Tales by a black man, Brandon Macy. And then, as I've been reminding y'all, for our 100th episode, we're going to go live on Instagram from the Sci-Fi Sci Podcast Instagram to answer any questions that you have about Ben's culinary skills, sci-fi and fantasy, Amber's fabulous, flawless energy, and also how to run a podcast. So if you have any questions about how to run a podcast, we're going to you know, open up some portals for you to drop those questions and we're going to be answering those questions live. That live talk is happening Sunday, August 28th at 7 p.m. ET. I feel like it was 8, 7 central, but that's fine. Life, life, life's like this. You fall and you crawl and you rate what you get. Okay, so 7 p.m. ET. So mark your calendars for Sunday, August 28th. Uh, remember, I just shouted out the patrons at the top of the episode. If you are interested in being a patron, that means, hey, I like what Amber, Ben, Wild Lynn, and Gucci are doing. I want to support the Wild Lynn family with my pockets, okay? Like a real nickel. Uh, you can donate $1, $2, or $5 a month on Patreon, and you can find the link to the Patreon in the episode notes. Special shout out to Sarah Herman, Darian Boyd, Misha Washington, Emerald Hall, Gabriel, Melanie, Catherine Schwab, Imani, Ebony, Nicole, and Molly Basinger. We'll be shouting out other patrons as we go along, but now let's go ahead and get started with the show. Ben, how have you been doing? I flew with a baby for the first time. You flew just you alone, huh? Yeah, I held her and she cuddled. We put some headphones on her. She looked cute. She did look like a cutie. You know, babies are actually like a little bit easier on a flight than I would have imagined. So yeah. it really encourages me to like keep living my life. Did you? They're be- like easier than you on a flight. No, they're not. I'm pretty easy on a flight. You get pretty anxious. You're like, oh, you know, getting moving around, that getting from one place true. to another, making sure you're not late. I'm easy I peasy on a flight. You're the one who's like going to the bathroom 17 times. I do like, have to. Yeah, but I'm, I'm like, not. you need to get that aisle seat because the window seat for you is like no bueno. Yeah, but it doesn't bother me that I have to go a bunch. 
I I will never ever forget. And I think we brought this up before. Like you were late. You missed a flight once, and you called me upset. And on that phone conversation, you're like, "Oh my god, a baby just got in my way. I want to kick him." And I was like, "Yeah, because someone had their." toddler just wandering aimlessly like you know how you see a kid roaming and you're like oh the parents right there this kid's parent was nowhere in sight so I'm like who has abandoned their baby in an airport like you know how dangerous airports are for all all kinds of things we all know what happens at airports and what kind of danger they're like so I was like why is a two-year-old just randomly walking in front of me right as I've missed this flight like I want to kill this child their parent the person who took forever to check my bag. Oh, I'm sorry. I should have been just chipper and fine and dandy after I missed a flight. Is that no. what you expect from me? No, I mean, but, you know, life happens. You go on. You don't have to turn into, you know, a baby kicker. I did. And did I kick said baby? No, but you did in your mind. In my mind? I think, Is there a difference between doing us? something physically and ha- doing it in your mind? I don't know. There's a huge difference. Who amongst us hasn't kicked someone's baby in our minds? I'd be hard pressed to find that person. But we did fly. Where did we fly to, Ben? We flew to L.A. and it, we L.A.'d. Yes, we've probably been talking about L.A. for the last couple of weeks. But we have officially signed a lease. We have officially uh, put down that first, last, and security. So we are officially broke. Ain't that right, Ben? Yeah. Actually. Well, we're broke for like the next couple of weeks. Hope. But we're, we're, we're thriving we're in our hearts. We're broke and thriving. Is there a difference broke between being broke in our dreams and broke in real life like you just did? <laughs> no, uh, I want a shirt that says "broke and thriving." Broke yet thriving. Broke yet thriving. Oh goodness! Uh, we, your mom threw us a uh, talking about thriving. Your mom threw us a going away party. That was th- a thriving party. I know she basically invited 80, everybody I had ever known. Ever. Eighty people. Yeah, if somebody isn't like violently ill after this, I'll be shocked and appalled. I think it's so funny. Like Wait, sorry, during you, the party. Sorry, let me clarify. So someone. You would be shocked and if appalled. someone was not violently ill. So you want someone to get violently no, ill? No, I'm just saying like there's no way every one of us is healthy after that part. But appalled is like <gasps> like that. Yes. <laughs> so you're gonna feel <gasps> like someone should get sick. Yeah, I, I, I'd be like <gasps> someone's a liar if oh, if, if, oh, no, if so everybody took a, a test and nobody's came back. Like I, I would be shocked. I would be like somebody's test. Oh, you're talking about like COVID. Like yeah, someone, just, we, yeah, someone COVID, should have gotten COVID. Seasonal germs, a- anything. Anything. Uh, ringworms. Uh, so fleas you like and ticks. you like when people get sick. Is I don't. Like I just caring pers- like you like to care for people. So when yes, someone gets sick, then it gives you an opportunity to care for somebody. It just reminds me that you know we're all gonna die one day. It's mm. like this is the natural order of things, right? It, yeah, it is. Yeah, the party was bumping. Did you have fun at the spades table embarrassing me? Oh, I didn't bar- <laughs> embarrass you. I mean... <laughs> okay, so you're the person that's sick. I am. Great. Separate. No, no, I'm Separate. actually coughing because your mom gave us some sweet potato pie, homemade sweet potato pie. I mean, the crust, are you, I don't think it was It wasn't homemade. my mom's. It wasn't my mom's sweet potato pie, so, but, but why are you coughing? Because I had some of the crust stuck in the my throat. So you're saying the pie was bad. The pie was delicious. I'm saying the crust could have been more buttery for my taste. It was homemade well, why don't southern you go downstairs and tell um, my mom that about sweet her potato pie. pie. It, it was her friend's pie who brought it over from the party. Right. I and mean, she, there were so many sweets. We're all just like eating on for the next couple of days. It but, was so funny that people were coming up to me at the party being like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're leaving. I'm like, I have lived in another city from y'all for the past decade. But for some reason, like this, decades. this West Coast move is like it's earth like shattering further. to people. Yeah, it's further. I, I understand LA. that. Yeah. 
they're like, well we're, well, we're used to Chicago. We're not used to this other thing. They're like, like whales in their eyes looking at me like that. I was like, interesting, because I, I, I don't live here. Y'all know that, right? L.A. will probably feel more like Athens than Chicago felt like Athens. Really? Dude, yeah, because uh, L.A. requires more car traffic, right? Athens, we're in Athens right near us now, like small Georgia, uh, you know, college town. You need a car. There's yeah, more you people. do need a car. Oh, there's the phone. That landline. Someone line. still has that landline. <laughs> that is, makes zero fucking sense to me. Oh, but God. Like most things in the South. Just let it ring. It's funny because the only people that even call them on this landline are like telemarketers. The telemarketers. And they, and and they still refuse to part with it. I, why? I, we need to bring them up here and like investigate. Okay, <sighs> whatever. Would you like me to answer it and then hang it up? No, because it's right. probably an important telemarketer that <laughs> your mom wants to buy. Uh, oh, God. Did you enjoy the party? You had some... Ben gave like a little speech at the party that I was did like give a so sweet and kind and warm. It was great. I quoted the book of Ruth. Everyone should read it. It's a classic piece of literature. It's about one of my favorite uh, Bible lesbian relationships. Oh, but, Ruth yeah. and Naomi. Yeah, Ruth and Naomi. They're boning. I, I missed I missed that when I read it, but I'm sure if I yeah. re- went back and read it. So Ruth at the beginning, Ruth chapter one, uh, Ruth and Naomi sort of decide to stay together. Naomi tries to get Ruth to go back to her people after Ruth's uh, husband dies. And Mm. Ruth says to Naomi, "Um, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Isn't that great? Yeah, so at the party, like, Ben knows we're at the Bible Belt. So he kind of just ended with, like, this is my home, y'all. Yeah. Like, where you go, I go. Where you stay, I stay. Yeah. Your people will be my people. I always tell Amber, Athens feels like the most solid place for me. Just because we always have a place to stay here. We always have sweet potato pie. There will always be a landline here. <laughs> you know, so this definitely well, And a like heart line, home. right? And a heart line. And a line from heart to another. Uh, but I feel like now that, I don't know, that whole thing has kind of become our uh, our our adage our our mantra every day it's yeah. like it's kind of like how yesterday i needed a fry you did and, and, and you're kind of like yeah where you go i go where you go where you I, stay i stay which was ridiculous we go because athens has started you know back in school the college town and we go to you know popeyes just lines or it wasn't popeyes it was it's like raising cane oh raising cane and then we went lines. to zaxby's there was a line there there God. there were lines literally everywhere but that's okay that's not what the show is about the show this show is truly about black science fiction and fantasy and also where you go i go where you stay i stay your people will be my people um so another way that you can get involved and go where we go and stay where we stay and be our people and your people and all that is giving us ratings on apple podcasts or google podcasts or wherever we love so much reading y'all's ratings so we wanted to uh go ahead and do that now right ben oh yeah i'll, I'll go ahead and read a rating for y'all go ahead yeah yeah so uh this is uh from candyland sam candyland sam says you don't need to love sci-fi to enjoy this pod yes. i've never read or watched any sci-fi but this is such a great funny intro to the genre and i love how they weave in aspects of their marriage and life thanks for sharing your passion family and humor with us ah your people will be my people that's I it i love that thank you that if we were to write down like who is our target audience for this podcast when we decide to do this it was literally 
people who don't like sci-fi and fantasy, a.k.a. Amber. And so, Ben, you have made us all, like, fall in love with it, even though we're not as well-versed in it. So, Because I never in my life thought I could run a sci-fi and fantasy podcast. You're running it really I'm well, running too. It. We're running, You're running it. running it. All right. Well, you want to jump into the conversation, baby? We can, but before, let's. can you just talk to me a little bit about your hair? I've never seen this uh, sort of style you, you got going on right now. You look really cute. Can you describe for our listeners, our oh, viewers, you. you can see, describe for our listeners. What made you think about that? Uh, because I just finished a book by Nikki Drayden. She's a black science fiction author. And in it, it's a sort of space opera. And in it, all the people on one of the ship, they're all black. So they all come from, you know, Africa when they left Earth, when Earth was sort of going under. And so the way they braid their hair determines like what line of family they come from. So like hair braiding is super, super important in the book. Yeah. And so I saw you. And in the life part. Yeah. And and sort of um, culturally, and it was in, the other thing is because you don't really find out that the people are black until sort of the end of the book, explicitly when they meet another group of humans that are all white, and mm. they use like racialized term. And so I was reading a review where it's like, oh, I didn't know that these people were black. But if like you were reading carefully, braids, yeah, because she's describing everyone's black on the ship, and they talk about lighter or darker skin, but they talk about braids and hair texture and hairstyles and that is like all the code for like black so this author didn't pick that up this, until the end of this the critic this re- right yeah yeah the critic didn't pick that up so i was thinking about that was it a critic or is just somebody that reviewed it someone who reviewed it which i guess i, I guess a reviewer is yeah. a critic we're critics so we're critics we're critics we're critics we're uh, review something we critique it yeah I guess I guess if talking about my hair, so I think if you're white, maybe I'm doing something really fun and funky, and if you're black, you're like, oh, that. So my hair is already braided in blonde braids, and my sides are shaved, and then um, I just have like two French braids like down the back, like yeah. Dorothy. Yeah, in, like Dorothy in uh, what The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, yeah, but I, I just really needed my hair out of my face today to get some stuff done, housekeeping and stuff. So I I braided the braids, Cute. very meta. Um, and Ben That's is it. feeling it. But I've never seen you do. You don't do this. I know other people do yeah. this, but yeah. you don't do this. I guess I don't do this. Let me you know. Sound off in the comments if you're watching this on YouTube. Um, this is just basic, right? This is just. I think you'd ba- like it because it's like out of my face and like you can see me. I can see your more beautiful round face, little cute little dimples or a little dimple. Oh man, I could just kiss it all. Did you see those pictures? Um, I showed I showed Ben some baby pictures of me earlier today, and I was like, "Now who does that look just like Miss Wiggles?" Yeah, yeah. So wild. I think as she, oh wild. Yes, as she gets older, she, you're not gonna see yourself in her. It's it's gonna be a full amber. It's just like a light, light, light skin amber. Uh, important note: we need to start calling Wild by her name. Oh my because, god! Yeah. Because at the party, your aunt Rapunzel was telling us she works at a school that all the kindergartners go by like fatty or miss thing or like <laughs> they go by like different <laughs> names. And so Lady they don't know their name, hat. ladybug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they don't know their names. And so the teachers like had to literally, the principal sent an email to all parents being like, Hey, can you please like teach your child their first name? What's wrong with nicknames? Though? Nothing, nothing. Literally almost every famous person we know, we only know their nickname or their yeah, stage. That's name. fair. Or like drag Queens. Like, I don't think it's like that outlandish that like just call mm. the kid their nickname is that like that problematic no i, I then then it's like why give a name anyway if you're gonna just call them by that nickname like think of the nickname and then give them that name 
So we should have named her Wiggles? Yeah. Well, the nickname typically comes from a behavior. Yeah. So you. So, so how would I have so anticipated should, that she was such a so little wiggly we shouldn't, worm? We, they should be nameless until... They, they do some yeah, sort of so behavior. Un, yeah, some sort of behavior. Then we get their birth certificate. So maybe a kid is not alive, <sighs> is not a living human being until they get their name, and they only get their name after they develop some sort of personality trait. But that, what if their personality changes over time? Do you just keep changing Yeah, you it? keep changing their name. Got Make it. it super easy for people to change their name. Got it. Heard, heard, and heard. Okay. That's sort of a science fictional idea. Speaking of um, twisting up names, Ben, what did we read again? All right, we read this collection of short stories. Give me that fucking book. Give me that fucking book. Let me say uh, this before we you break it down. I was so, I'm showing this to the camera right now. I was so um, shocked and appalled, as I like to say, because at first, there was no audiobook for this. Y'all know who I am. I like to read a book and listen to the audio. That way I can, like, still pump my boobies and read a book and all those kind of things. So this had no audiobook. So at first I was like furious with Ben and I cannot tell you how happy I was to be so wrong about this book. I read it so quickly. Like I basically read it in a weekend because it was so, so, so entertaining and horror, like horror stricken. That's a horrible way to describe that. And like, it, it gave you everything. This book was like a Beyonce album. Like it had country and rock and reggaeton. Like this book, I was scared at some points. I was sweating. I was horny. I was sad. Oh yeah. I was laughing. The Succubi episode where he like gets a blowjob by the Succubi. Yeah. That I forget. That Did was, that not? Yeah, I had to put it down and like, okay, Amber, come in here or like phone out. <laughs> that makes sense. I, I definitely think there was one night you were extra horny. Yeah, I was, I was like, like yeah. what's going on with him? Put, put I was like, I'm here for it. Well, what's going on with him? Okay, let's talk about it. Sorry. I just, I am so, I am so erect for this book. It's a great no. book. Uh, let's talk about some of the themes. So a, l- a few weeks ago, your dad showed us his collection of... <laughs> I know where this is going now, but yeah. I'm sorry. Coming off of the this book made me so horny conversation, I was like, wait, what? Where's your dad show us his like collection of obituaries. Ago, your dad sorry, showed obituaries. us his... I was like, his Why is what? Your, so his, <laughs> his obituaries. His what? His obituaries. His showed us his, uh, and also during the party... Two days ago, he was going around showing his oh my god his mom Y'all, his mom's gravestone. My dad is so awkward. I'm, I'm talking low because he's mm, getting off work soon. But he will literally like during the going away party, just he will walk up to you having a conversation and show you a picture of my grandma's tombstones from mm. his mother, which is sad and beautiful. He's really proud that they finally got the tombstone finished. But like. Just imagine, like, two people, like, having fun. Like, Drink, oh, my God, Amber's drinking, so good to see you. And then my dad's like, have you seen this? And they're like, just uh, finished uh, the tombstone. Oh, like, we're all drunk. Like, like, why? like, why are you interrupting our conversations to show us this headstone right now? But, okay. Yes, my dad's very socially awkward. He He's sort of, and he does collect, like, memorials and obituaries. obituaries. And there's he's a story guy. in here about an older woman who collects obituaries. Yes, and if, there is. And she, once she finds out someone dies, she calls everybody. And she's, yeah. like, she needs to, like, let people know and stuff. And so... That's, like, something about getting old where you're, like, I have to know who died. Or my dad's also like that with, like, the police blotter. Like, he's, like, oh, you know your classmate, uh, so-and-so got locked up. And I'm like, for driving drunk, you know, and it was child molestation. Car. I'm like, okay, dad, they, 
thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. This is probably some guy that like bullied me in sixth grade. That this all tracks. He was shit then and he ain't shit now. Like he's like, and then I saw so and so got a DUI. I'm just like, Dad, you got to get some hobbies. I mean, I guess collecting obituaries and like Is reading the police. Like trading. What's the difference between that and like collecting Pokemon cards? Yes. <laughs> it's like obituary collection is Pokemon cards for older old folks yeah older folks. so yeah there is a, a short story in here where this um old lady collects obituaries and, and then, then one day, day. <laughs> one, one day. day and then one day uh there's no obituary in the newspaper and she's and like oh my dad's home and she's like what the fuck there's no way nobody died like where where the fuck are my obituaries she's like fiending for them yeah and it turns out that the dead start to haunt her until she can get like an obituary written up and starts calling people so it's sort of this idea that the importance of reading obituaries is a way of passing on and deals with memory and and honoring the dead it's a beautiful little story so i thought that was pretty good um the other story this made me think of is your dad I mean, this made me think of a lot of your dad, but your dad keeps on going to your grandma's house. Like he, yeah. he there's this whole thing right grandma, now. Yeah. So your late grandma died a couple of years ago, yep. you know, during right at the beginning of COVID. Yeah. Uh, and um, there's been talk about sort of, you know, renting that space out or Airbnb it. And I think your dad is just sort of hesitant. He can't yeah, really let like, go of that, that house because yeah. he grew up in that house yeah, right, as, a, like, as a kid. Right. And then he's like, I can't really go. He just pulled up, so he might pop in here in a minute. But, yeah, he's like, I can't do that because then I can't go over here and, like, see it every day. Yeah. Or what happens if some, like, tenant just, like, trashes this place? Like It's very sacred to him. He goes is, over and is. he, like, mows the lawn. Or he'll go he and does. just, like, open like and he'll just go. He'll walk around. And I could see him just, like, maybe sitting down in the dining room yeah. and just looking at it for a moment. Your mom, your grandma's china cabinet is still there yeah. with china that probably hasn't been used for 30 years but it's there it is it's just like like when we were saying there it's like this is just a way of like to bring life back to loss and i really like that was the obituary story one of your favorite stories it was but the one That's that so many favorite stories. that yes. was even better was nostalgia because there's okay. a there's a boy who grew you know who lives with his grandma and then yes. moves out of his grandma's to pursue his career Yep. down in i think atlanta right so okay. he's like yep. fr in sort of a chicago suburb and he moves to atlanta to pursue his career of like writing and when he leaves the house catches fire and burns down it's him and it's him dealing with that guilt that guilt yes and it made me think a lot of your dad because your dad has expressed like guilt i remember yeah he was like i go visit my mom every day and then mm -hmm. like i didn't go for like a day and a half and then she passed and, so yeah and i remember i remember like when it happened we were hanging out and your dad just like smacked his hands like ah, i should have been there like that was it just made me think a lot of like you okay your elbow yeah you i'm fine I got elbowed sick. but it you know connecting it to like the people we know but have that guilt is so heavy like, that? like after someone lost like passed. uh yeah well my grandfather got died Gave my parents this nice Ford Focus that was a little sporty, up to date, and I freaking wrecked it. I just flipped the car over. I was like, "What happened?" I I had drank a little. What age was this? Like sixteen. Okay, give the full tip. Yeah, no, I was like, I lost a basketball game, and I um, went to a friend's house, drank like two Michelob. They were Michelobes. 
So I was like a little tipsy, and I was just so angry about this basketball and my you coach. You drank and, two beers? Yeah, and I flipped <laughs> flipped the car over. After two beers? After I was speeding. I took a car. You should feel guilty. And I was I was just <laughs> so, yeah. It was, was, was the actual the worst wreck night of my life. worse than the guilt, or which one was worse? Oh, the guilt was way worse. I wish Gosh. I Gosh, did your parents like lay it on thick, too? No, they didn't say anything. That was the worst part. Oh, that's bad. Yeah, I had to take a you breath. You can say so much I didn't, with saying that. I didn't get a ticket. This was like zero tolerance. Like my whiteness really saved me on that one. Yeah, Damn. that guilt got your black ass. Man, they they <laughs> could have taken my, they could have taken my uh, license away for. So you were sixteen. Months. You drank two beers. Two beers. Yeah. Had you flipping a car? Um, yeah. That I mean, I think it was seventeen. To be 17. fair, it was a four focus. Like, is that like a? That was a really like strong, ready for battle kind of car. Mm-hmm. Damn, there's a joke in there somewhere, but I won't. There's like the joke focus. It. No, no. Focus. More like <laughs> fuck us, fuck us. I had a, a a teammate. She had a thick Polish accent, and every time she would say focus, like we were running. <laughs> fuck, fuck us, fuck us, fuck us. Fuck us. Fuck us. <laughs> and we would make fun of her for that. Oh. Just making fun of people for their accent. <laughs> Just a long American, a long American a tradition. Being called a focus, and then someone's like <laughs> in it, unfocused and crashing it. Yeah, that was the me. whole grandpa part. Isn't funny, but yeah. like stupid. Oh god, that's I'm super sorry. Um, so one of my favorite stories in here. Let's let's peruse. I'm sorry if you had like as as so as, as you're there. As you're looking through and sort of thinking, um, talking about disappointing children, the first story is called Daddy's Little Girl. Yep. And the children weren't disappointing. It was like a, a, f- a helicopter dad. Yeah, you know, a helicopter dad who was like controlling of his daughter. Daughter. Like and, following her on the date and stuff. And it was and, and it was written in such a way where you're sort of like it seemed as if the author was sympathizing with the father. Yeah, you because this so, okay, let's back up. You know how in, if you watch You on Netflix, the writing is so well done and they've done such a great job choosing Penn Bagley that you, you're sometimes on his side and you're sometimes not? Well, Brandon um, Massey does a really great job of doing that. Like, sometimes you're like, uh, is it that bad? Or I mean, and I know it's a book, so you're like, well, you know something's coming, but something in me sometimes is just like, oh, well, maybe this person isn't the villain or like, because yeah. he does have quite a few like really cool twists in the, in his stories. And, twisted um, Tales. For yes, twist, yeah. that, hence the name, Twisted Tales. Nothing is what it seems. So uh, in the first story, yeah, Daddy's Little Girls. Daddy's yeah. Little Girl, just the one. Yeah. yeah, so it is. this guy seems to be this, you know, murderous kind of man who's a helicopter parent of his like 20-something-year-old daughter so it says daddy's little girl but the little girl is a is a woman woman. she's a grown woman and this man is undercover trying to figure out if this father is like evil or something yeah a man like she goes on a date with yeah Yeah. and she's like you know it's just my dad it's just who he is and she's going on and on and sort of disregarding this really creepy behavior very creepy and you also have the context that the girl's mother has died as well so you're you go back and forth to being like oh maybe the dad's just like really protective because he recently lost his wife who was murdered and and now his his only living family member is this his daughter so he's going on the date with her showing up at the table across their dinner follows them on their date like i will never follow wild on her date, like you don't follow. We're not your gonna do child. that like on one date. 
No, that's okay, what, such a what, betrayal what of trust. What if she doesn't come back on time? Then, then I'm, you I'm then you call the, the cops and then you call the, the army. Yeah, you call the army. You call the FBI. <laughs> you the call National the guard, the marines. You the call Navy the SEALs. the yeah. Bureau of Paranormal Investigation, which is from Hellboy. You I call mean, what, everybody. What age can she like fully go on dates by herself? Like thirty. <laughs> This is like, uh, you know, I watched a lot of the Proud family growing up. It's like one of like Oscar Proud's pretty much like character traits at this point is like making sure Penny like never goes on dates. It's like, oh, oh, are there going to be boys there? Like, that's just like his old bit, um, which is like funny because it's like, oh, all of our dads were like that. But there is a little sometimes like, all right, Oscar, goddamn, like let the bitch have a party. Yeah. <laughs> like, relax. I, I think that there's this weird, she also might be, um, a Antigone complex. I think yeah. when, when fathers are too protective to this extreme, there was a level of sexual tension between the father and the daughter. And I think that's what Brandon Macy is sort of getting towards. And at the end, we find out like the father and the daughter are actually werewolves and it's really creepy. So this guy is like walking around with a silver handgun to kill you know, the father, because he turns out he knows about werewolves. And there's a nice, really sweet twist at the end where in actuality there's this, and it becomes way bigger is that the man hunting the werewolf is himself a werewolf, but there's a very specific law of werewolves in which you have to follow an order and you just can't kill indiscriminately. You have to be selective in your kills. And I thought that was a nice little twitch, like twist of the werewolf story. Yeah. Where the werewolf hunter is himself a werewolf trying to keep the code of werewolves. I thought that was pretty nice. Yeah, so Daddy's Little Girl was a strong star. I'm going to be honest. If you're reading this book, the best stories are in the end. I'm sure yeah. he did that on purpose because he, he did a great job like warming us up. So my favorite story is a story called Presumed Dead. It's about this guy named Mike B. And we start the story where he's faking his own death with like a suicide letter in the car. He's got the car that go, like runs off of the road. And they never find the body, but they still have a funeral for him, all of that. Um, uh, because and he's, he owes because money. Because he, yeah, he's a local gambler and he owes Big Daddy J in town Big Daddy a lot Jay. of money. And everybody like, owes Big Daddy J money. Everybody owes this motherfucker money. And, but, but Mike B decides to fake his own death and he moves to Georgia. There's a lot of like southern to northern, yeah. um, which is great. Specifically Chicago to, to Atlanta. To Atlanta, yes, yes, yes. So he moves down south to Atlanta and starts his new life as like Ricky and he meets this girl named Keisha and they get married and they're together, whatever. And so eight years goes by and he he too, I love that, you know, some of the character. Ooh. I'm trying to get close. I'm trying to shift get, myself closer get, to you. Move that. Did I just b- you did. bust all the cameras? I love that. Um, like some of the things that characters do in these stories, like none of the stories are really connected, but some of the things that characters do keep coming back up. So in this story, obviously Mike B is daily checking the obituaries because he wants to see if Big Daddy J has eventually died. So it takes eight years for Big Daddy J, this like old timer gambler or like loan shark, I guess you could say, like to die. And so then Mike B, who's, you know, his appearance has changed, but he's like, I can go back home now. I can see my old stopping grounds. And obviously I'm not going to tell the whole thing, but obviously he goes there and like recognized by uh, this other guy who owed Big Daddy J money named Peanut. But apparently Peanut had died years before too. So it's like this cool like zombie gangster shit. And it's so good. It's so fucking good. It turns out like Big Daddy J actually lives forever. And he keeps on like, he puts makeup on to make himself look 
like older and yeah so he sort of is like playing this game and he turns people into zombies yeah really fantastic get your money that that is the season i'm in right now every day i'm telling ben now that we've paid that rent money i was like this is a stick up like the money put the money in the bag and no one gets hurt is the energy that i'm on right now yeah work hard play hard hard, get never grow old so yeah don't you ever would you ever fake your death no, I was actually I was thinking what instance in which I would fake my death. If I was right. in a really unhappy relationship, I would maybe fake my death because then my widow could get some money and then I can move on to my life. So it's like <laughs> it's like if I wasn't vibing You'd with you as strong, your death than get a divorce. Yeah, because then I would yeah. it would be less guilt. And you have to, divorces are long, they're expensive. There's more drama. Fake your right, own death. Just die. She cries because that like, doesn't take any like life insurance policy, a funeral. Yeah, but she takes people. out. But the you know if the, if we're not getting along, then you're gonna do a very cheap. Yeah. Funeral. Right. Just burn me. Just throw me in like. Just burn me. Just burn me. Throw well, yeah, my you do want to be cremated, so I guess I'm like painting this picture of somebody else, but like. Yeah. So if you ever turn up missing or something, I'm just going to assume well, you're faking your death. Yeah, no, don't, don't even burn. Just you don't even buy a plot of land. Right. Just, just make this a little cross in idea. the back. I think it's a great idea. Fake your own death. Uh, you can you can get a pretty cheap like death, death certificate, certificate in yeah. India, I think. I mean, there are some. I mean, I was just in, up just so much debt. But even in the book, he oh, was like debt. Yeah. Like, you know, when we think about stuff like squid games and things like that it's like how much debt would it take for me to like go into this game because i'm never going to ask like would you ever go into the squid games it's like at what number of debt would i go into it and for me i feel like it would be like in the millions so in this story i mean i think he owed big daddy j like 100k yeah he he owed him a decent amount of money yeah like am i tripping i thought i was like you could have paid that back eventually maybe i don't know yeah i think this person also came from like a different economic status than right, us in right. a sense like 100k is something you know people our age could possibly are especially yeah, with our a age, payment plan and a couple plan, of like if you're and if you have a regular consistent job this guy was a gambler didn't seem like didn't really have a consistent job all that stuff yeah but i don't know i i gotta go back and look and see how much the guy from squid games was in debt like and i'm not saying 100k is not a lot of money like that is a lot of money but to fake your own death 100k feels pretty low yeah like i I would need to be in the hole like at least a million bucks a million bucks um oh the great thing about all these stories as well is you know all the characters are black you know there's not really like a lot of and they feel black yeah the dialogue the spirituality like like a lot of the traits of the people like are so clearly black and the and the locations yeah. and things like that, it, which it I was, really appreciate. You know, because he takes a, a lot of his stories, a couple of them take place in like an Atlanta suburb, you know, yeah. and we've driven to some Atlanta suburbs, which is Amber's telling me it's like these are black neighborhoods. Like and they're thriving, black yeah. suburban neighborhoods. This is a black Mecca. Um, it's really like nothing else in the US in that in that sense. Yeah. Uh, and but there is this level of and um, what I think it's called the hornets there's a story about this the man sting. the sting this man he went to uga yeah alma mater and he goes he, i think he lives in atlanta so he sort of goes into the country for like a family gathering right mm-hmm. and at this family gathering he sort of kicks out this root woman who's been part of the family for years but her She's name's on a, like not on the list yeah her name's not on the list and she ends up cursing him and it plays with this tension between like black 
you know, suburban folk and black country folk. Yes. Which is something I've like never really encountered or read. The first time I encountered it was sort of like meeting your family is that there are people from your family who are like black suburban folk and then people from your family who are black country folk. And there is a tension there um, due to Mm. like class and education and even like culture, like what kinds of foods. Anyway, it, it is so unique and it shows the diversity of like American black culture, which oftentimes American black culture is sort of lumped into one thing. It's like East Coast, West Coast rap. Like that's what people, I Mm. I think white people specifically, how I was brought up is like you have East Coast, so rap and West (laughs) Coast rap. Yeah, yeah. No, I guess stylistically they're very different. And I mean, I think they're in tension or um they have friction but i wouldn't say like those tensions are on the rise like and and be and i would say that because i feel like over and over again whoever the matriarchs of the family are they're on that more countryside yeah. it's like you've given life to these children that can now be suburbanites if they want to be but like at the end of the day like the 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 root and foundations of these family structures are like from these backwoods and from these country roads and so there's a reverence there i didn't like, i didn't know i didn't know really until i sat down with your mom like how country oh yeah like she grew up like she grew up like on a farm wrangled like pigs wrangled pigs like milk i was yeah, like yeah because we are so bombarded with these images of like la black folk and like New York City black folk who are rappers, drug dealers, and shooters. They're not farmers. And that's yeah. and that's just completely that narrative is completely false. Yeah, but when it comes to like our grandparents who were like bred on those like very country roads and grounds, like we all have a reverence for them. So that's why I don't agree with the w- the tension. No, I I guess uh, the tension that he explores is like the college oh, educated oh, the yes, black yes, yes, folk. Yes, yes, yes. Like it's like, oh, you are Hollywood now that you don't yeah, got yeah. your, your degrees and you think yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah that I kind know exactly of that that's what he explores and he's like, I can't wait to get out of these country roads. He's like, uh, he wants to get back to Atlanta and to the city, and he makes a comment how like you know Mississippi bugs are just bigger. They're sort of in the backwoods of Mississippi, right? And it's just it's very funny and he and the ending is also like you know pretty intense but he he refuses to apologize to this um root root woman who he's turned away and was incredibly rude and disrespectful to this elder and i was like oh man because she wasn't on the vip list because she wasn't (laughs) on the the cookout the family family reunion reunion cookout like this guy is such a dick and uh, (laughs) i don't know it, it was pretty fantastic to like to see the justice where he he goes back to her. He eventually apologizes, but it's a fake apology. He says, please stop these hornets from, you know, attacking me. And yeah, she's he's like, like hallucinating. And like, he, yeah, she put that hex on him. Yeah. That hex on him. And she's like, okay, I'll take care of the hornets. But then the snakes get them. Yes. Period. Period. A woman's wrath. A woman scorned. I also love it because of that. Uh, my other, t- I, I think this is my absolute favorite story it's called the last train home it is perfect because it's the last book Um, it's the last tale in the book 
when I when I tell you, I think that chapter was 40 pages and it felt like 30 seconds. Like I was on the edge of my seat. I don't even want to talk about it. Like just just know it's one of those like harrowing tales where this woman is being like kind of stalked by this guy at her job and then like she's the only one riding her train home and then she looks up and he's on that train too like i'm talking your heart will be beating yeah. you will be sweating the pages will be turning and then you're gonna blink and all the pages are gonna be gone and, and you're gonna really enjoy it and it's it's set in like zion you Ill- Zion, Ill- well, but she, lo- works she lives da- at zion illinois she works in the city yeah and he and i don't really see this often when books about chicago um, I've been reading a lot of books that take place in Chicago, and they sort of just associate Chicago suburbs, Chicago Loop, with every other type of neighborhood. But he makes a clear distinction that Chicago commuters going from suburbs to downtown yeah, they they ride proper. a different they ride the metro right. and he makes that statement. So and he, as somebody who's rode the metro, like he wrote it so vividly, yeah, like it's, it's like oh, you can tell this person like not only did their research, but like has either lived there a short period of time or has been there. They like, they just did a really great job capturing like the look and feel and the bustle of like that, that long commute on the Metro, that double decker. And so I, I, if, especially if you are familiar with Chicago, like everybody should read this book, but especially if you're familiar with Chicago or Atlanta, you will really, really, really appreciate his writing. He, he makes women, he, may, he writes a couple of like pretty badass women. Yes, um, he does. But he, so he's really also not well. super kind to them as well. So he's, they're not like completely without, you know, some sort of like pain or suffering. So yeah, and, I, but I think he paints an accurate, an accurate picture of like, you know, women do go through this. Like they, they go through the, the cat calling and they go through the, the stalking. Like I, I, I would not read this and say he's unkind to women. I think he's like so clearly like talked to women in his family or women that he's dated yeah. and, and really captured their experience of like, dang, like bitches be fearing for their lives out here. I think there's this, this line when men write women where they write this strong female character who always, you know, wins type of thing, right? And yeah. nothing really bad happens to them. But um, what he does is that he, you know, he does this kill your darlings type of thing where they do have to f- go through trial and they do suffer. And they almost lose, but they fight back. And one of the his most powerful stories is predators. And essentially yes. in this story, women who've been sexually assaulted band together to form this secret society of women assassins. And they go yep. around... Um, Kidnapping kind of like girl with the dragon tattoo. Yes, no, but, it's exactly but it's a, that. But it's a group, not. It's, it's a group. Just the one baddie. Yeah, and you don't really know. Sorry if that spoiled. That it's movie. yeah, it's the whole though. Spoilers abound. But in this story, it's so cool and it, it's very expansive. But these women end up taking these men who spend like eight months for like raping a child or something. Yeah, and and he sort of gets into that that a lot of these like sexual offenders. Like they uh, have been convicted, served their ha- very short sentences, yeah. and are are back on the on the prowl again. And so, yeah. um, but they send them off to like a farm or something where they, I guess, I, we don't know what happens there, but it's presumably they're sort of maybe forced to just sleep or to be rehabilitated. Yeah. I, I'm curious. I don't know where else he would he's go with a, predators. There's another book. Uh, we we have to read him again because he's so good. Like, yeah. and he's so slept on. Like, I'm. I'm never, I haven't heard of him prior to this book. How did How did you find this book? Uh, so in the back of Bitterroot. Okay. Um, this was one of the selections that they recommend reading. So Bitterroot was a comic series that Amber and I covered 
a couple of weeks ago and in the back they have all these interviews and stuff mm-hmm. and so brandon macy was one of them that they recommended um a- another one that we're going to read darkly as well is something that i got from that selection i was like these smaller um publishing companies who publish this kind of work is not mainstream horror and i was like this is important we got to read this guy did and you also hit him up I did. Yeah. I said, I really love this book. He emailed me back. He's like, thank you so much. Like I'll have to check out the episode that y'all do. Huge thing. Authors love when people send them messages, like get their emails, be like, Hey, this book really moved it. Especially like underrated, really, really talented authors like Brandon, I'm sure. Cause like if y'all read a book and love the author, send them like a message. Because it means something to them. They spend a lot of freaking time. Writing is really difficult. It does. And it's hard to just, I mean, Ben ben Daly is like writing, like not only just doing like daily like warm-ups and things like that, but he's just like really working on some really great stuff. I don't want to like put all your stuff out there or whatever. But I'm seeing secondhand the work it takes to like be a writer and have that discipline and to just hear from somebody, I guess it's like not your wife or your partner or your kid yeah. that you're working like hard this, is really satisfying. I would, I and would somebody imagine. who's read your work too, because you know, I'm sure tons of these authors, even when they are interviewed, it's not being, it's not an interview by somebody who's actually read their book. Right. Yeah. Well, I, like we've interviewed probably, some people and they're like, Oh, you read it. Like that's I, awesome. <laughs> I think that, I think less so now, believe it or not. I think it's sort of, um, more common now if you're interviewing an author that you've probably read their book especially with podcasts just because that maybe but i feel like back in the day like if you were on oprah or you were on trevor noah or whatever not back in the day like you know last week that like he's so busy he's i feel like i feel like like, oprah reads jimmy kimmel didn't read your book maybe not jimmy kimmel but i feel like trevor noah and oprah winfrey read the book maybe I i feel like they're readers i feel like they're so busy and they're like hey this is the hot new author on the block like maybe read a couple of their excerpts here, but you're going to interview them next week. Like, I just feel like they're not reading those books. Maybe they're so busy. They, they interview people all the time. Speaking of busy, we're going to have to, we're going to have a busy drive back. We're driving back soon. Oh, and, okay. and instead Chicago, of doing yes. to, to Chicago, we're making that trip. And actually there's a story in here called a walk through darkness. Okay. And he, he writes about driving. I remember that one. He, he one but that? he writes about driving from Chicago to Atlanta and there's this point um, where he, so it's a man, he's cheating, um, his wife is cheating on her husband with him. And okay. they kill oh, yes, the yes, husband, yes, yes. they kill remember. the husband, and they're like driving his body away to like bury it or whatever, yep. but the husband comes back. But when the husband catches him, it's sort of in this section of Tennessee that we have driven through. Like the Appalachian. Yeah, this, yeah. The, those smoky mountains sort of near Dolly Parton's like land. Period. And it's, it gets really desolate up there. It's sort of scary. One time we were driving, you see the smoke coming down. So I was thinking, all right, driving that late at night, you know, pulling over. And there's a scene that made my... Like I got goosebumps. Yes, and he's he sort of gets. This was giving goosebumps all the way like, through. I was like, ooh. Or like that time we let stopped cut, at that gas station, it, and there was like poop on the ceiling. Like there's there's some there's oh my some sketchy land. Do you remember <laughs> I that? I didn't go in there. I don't think. Yeah, I, I let you go. You ran back out. You were like, I can't. I, I can't. I, yeah, it was bad. Yikes. Yeah, I think most of them, and I think most of the income from that small little gas station was coming from like the little lotto machine or like the slot machine they had. Yeah. So it was a gas station in the middle Definitely. of Tennessee with a slot machine. It I was, can't do it. But did this, did this book make you? Uh, 
I don't know. Something about his writing felt like Ben could do this for me. Like as I was reading his short stories, like obviously he's super talented, but sometimes you see somebody who's so talented, they make it look effortless. Yeah. Did you feel like a couple of times I was he, like, Ben could write this story or Ben could write a story like this short, compact and suspenseful. And I think he, uh, this is the only, so talking about a sigh. Yes. I did feel like inspired to write. I don't know if I could write, like him not like him he but sort of captures like different so many different kinds of black folk like he uh, right. captures their I, I don't know if i can do that probably not 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 black people but you know yeah, just like but, tight yeah, different, compact stories that still make you horny and make you scared yeah, and make you like I, hopefully like he, like he didn't do, he it's like twitter it's like you could do so much with these 140 characters. Like this doesn't have to be some thick epic novel. No. Like, but it still had tons of characters, super easy to follow, like captivating stories. Yeah, he told a very direct story, and many of the stories had um, had surprising endings, but not unexpected endings. Right? Yeah. Like he surprising, but not unexpected. I think was was really fantastic. Uh, yeah, I was definitely inspired to like write more direct exact linear stories the way he did instead of like trying to his stories are definitely plot driven and they're Mm -hmm. great they're great stories if you've never really read horror stories before and if you had read horror stories he sort of plays with some of the werewolf tropes the succubi tropes yes um you know the yeah so he he's doing he's doing stuff see he does he has some twilight a nice little twilight reference here and there um especially the flight one um where he like you know, flight, flight, flight 463. 463. Mm-hmm. So there's there's wonderful stuff going on here. Highly recommend it. Yeah. Well, Ben, with that being said, why don't you warp up the show? In conclusion, uh, Twisted Tales by Brandon Macy is a must-have, must-read. You can read it quickly. You can r- read a story, put it down, come back to it a few weeks later. A great collection of short stories. Definitely check it out, y'all. Thanks, y'all. Thank you so, so, so much for listening to another episode of the Sci-Fi Sci Podcast. Up next is episode 100. We will hit 100 episodes. And remember, for that episode, we're going live, live. on Sunday, August 28th at 7 p.m. ET. So 6 p.m. CT, you know, so on and so forth. So please be sure to bring us any questions that you have about podcasting for that episode when we go live on Instagram at the Sci-Fi Sci Podcast Instagram account. And we will see y'all next week for the show. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. 
We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn this thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton. For the stay.